Thank you for joining me back at With That Set Podcast. If you've been listening thus far, then you are at least three episodes into the advice series. Thank you for coming back. We are now moving into the honesty series where we're going to feature both men and women who are going to share their stories of triumph, courage, microaggressions, handling hostile work environments, uh, moving cross country. It's going to be some phenomenal episodes that's going to give a lot of great information for our community and our people. Um, I want to thank you for joining in. I'm going to introduce my first guest in just a little bit, but so happy you're back. Let's get into it. Stay tuned to the end of the episode because it includes some bloopers and some outtakes. Bye. Put it up here. Uh, testing, one, two, one, two. Testing, one, two, one, two. Testing, testing, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to With That Set Podcast, the podcast focused on helping guide black millennials through corporate culture and really just workplace culture. Today, I have my dear friend Janelle Watler with me, and we're going to be talking about finding the courage to pursue a different career professionally after you've maybe perhaps gone so long down one path. Finding the courage, finding the faith, and finding the support to pivot. Um, so let me introduce my guest, Janelle. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> um, so I have a question for you that I did not include in the question list because I wanted to be able to sort of catch you off guard okay. and get a really honest response from you. So my question is, you're going on a vacation. It's a three-day vacation. Cell phones won't work there, so you don't have to worry about taking your cell phone because there's no Wi-Fi, no internet, cell phone data services out. Okay. Um, you're going there alone. You don't have to worry about food, water, or shelter because they have all of that there. Name three things you take with you. A bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> Sandals. <laughs> um, hmm, that's a good one. And some Tito's. Some Tito's, <laughs> a bathing suit, sandals, and Tito's. I am ab- sure a good time. <laughs> I am absolutely shocked that those are the three things you're taking. You know what? To me, that tells me that you are independent and you know how to have fun, whether you're with people or not. Because you're like, I'm going to bring my turn up time, my bathing suit, my sandals, because I'm going to have fun even though I'm by myself. I'm going to have a great time. Girl, that's what it's about. You gotta, as long as my kids and my husband are taken care of, I'm good. I will have a blast. Okay, okay. So I was hoping to use that question to kind of figure out what matters to you most. Like when you have no distractions around or social pressures, like what are the three things that you like really hold true to yourself. And I guess for you, it's um, preparedness, right? Because if you got your bathing suits and your sandals and your Tito's and you're prepared for anything you're going to encounter. Well, you know what? It's about preparation and having fun and enjoying what I do ultimately. Oh. For me, I would say that's, you know, that's social pressures. I mean, it can be hard, but for me, I try not to allow that to dictate the way that I move. Oh, you know. Now, did you have that confidence as a young girl or is that some confidence you developed like as you moved throughout life? I think it's as I moved throughout life. I feel like as a young girl, I did have a lot of times where I felt um, you know, like not enough or insecure, things like that, but thank God I had a strong mother mm-hmm. who constantly just reassured me to know like you are enough and if you don't think you are enough, then no one else will. So you have to validate yourself and not look for that validation outside. 
do you oh this is like new and juicy so now i have to ask was there a defining moment in your relationship with your mom or do you remember how old you were where she told you or where you were really able to like take in that you were enough like do you have that that memory the honest truth is you know what my mother always fed that like she felt she fed my spirit in that way from mm-hmm. a young child i remember times when i was you know in elementary school being teased and things like that and she always fed my spirit like you're beautiful you're enough don't let anybody tell you that you're not you know who you are and it wasn't until my adulthood I would say in my early 20s that I really started to realize what she was doing Mm. throughout all those years like it didn't hit me to me it was just my mother just being my mother she doesn't understand Mm. she doesn't know what I'm going through at Mm -hmm. school but when I was in my early 20s and I saw like when I saw how insecurity could dictate the way that women move Mm. It was like, oh, no, that's not me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And once that hit, that's when I realized, like, oh, that's what she was doing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And so I try to do that with my kids now. Like, they're boys, but I try to feed their spirit every single day, you know? Because I don't... Society is so... I feel like if you don't have that around you, it's you can be easily swayed. Mm. And we're we're in a time with social media where kids are it's they are so easily swayed that it's like I just I'm afraid for my kids you Mm. know and so I just like I said I try to feed their spirit to make sure that they know each and every day that they're enough okay so pardon our momentary Stay brief. <laughs> but we were talking about you instilling that in your kids as a young age because that's what your mother instilled in you. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to that. You go to college because you talked a lot about some bad experiences you had in high school. Mm-hmm. Then you make it to college. Did you have those same experiences in, in college as well with um, being teased or not feeling you were enough? and like, Or was that like a whole transition period for you? Well, honestly, the teasing and stuff was more more so like elementary, junior high. Okay. High school, I went to school in Massachusetts, so it was completely different. Like, I was the one African-American. Oh, my God. Breaking news. <laughs> it's just in. You went to school in Massachusetts. <laughs> Definitely didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I went to a boarding day school. Um, oh, wow. That's so dope. And so it was a few of us. Um, so the experience was completely different, but it was good in that, you know, I'm happy that I went to elementary that I went to because it was it was a predominantly African American school. So like I had, and that's what I'm saying. It's so many different pieces of the of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. You know, it was my mom, but it was also the school that I went to that encouraged. You know that your our culture is strong and it's mm-hmm. you're with queens and with kings and you know all those things. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in a setting outside of that. I was already confident in myself somewhat. Good. You know, just that little bit. But then it grew as I got older. And to be honest, all of that helped me too in the work in the workplace. Mm. Because most of the workplaces I've worked in, um, I am a minority. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I am the only person of color in the room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times I was the only person of color in the room with any type of authority. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So... It's just different, but I'm happy that I did have those pieces of the puzzle that made me who I was, because otherwise I I think I would have struggled a lot more. Mm. So speaking of the workplace, thanks for that transition. (laughs) Speaking of the workplace, so tell us about like how you got into the prior job you were in before you decided to switch careers, like how you found it. 
um, what role you started in when you got there, how did you receive your promotions, and like talk to us a little bit about like the culture. Okay, so I worked in an art auction business um, for 10 years, and I started in accounting because that's what I got my bachelor's in, mm-hmm. and so that position I had applied for, because I was just looking for a job at that time out of college, because I was actually working in the medical field, and I couldn't get promoted, mm. and so it was like, well all right, I'll just leave. (laughs) So I found this position and I had interviewed and they offered me the position the same day and I took it. And so it was like, I had to negotiate a little bit, but I I went for it. Um, because when I had interviewed, the hiring manager said that she saw something in me and she was like, I could see you doing my job. And she Mm. was looking to retire. So I was like, okay, you know what I'm saying? I'm fresh out of college early 20s and this woman who is in her 60s is telling me that I could do her job so white or black Caucasian she was okay (laughs) (laughs) um so with that in mind I was just like okay I took the position even though it was a slight pay cut at the time but with the foresight to say like I'm gonna be making more because of Mm. I'm looking to do this position and I've always been the type to like no matter what position I'm in I'm always looking to do more um, because I don't ever want to limit myself mm. by saying like, oh, this is only in my job requirement or mm-hmm. something like that. Because I feel like that's how you grow. You that's know what true. I'm saying? Like in any company, in that's any true. field, if you're looking to, if you're looking to grow, you got to do more. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so she, I started working for that company um, in the accounting position, entry level, worked my way up um, to a senior level, and then. As she retired, I became the operations director of the company, and I was doing that for, it took me about three years to get the promotion to that, and then mm-hmm. I was doing that for seven years. Now, when you say doing more, because I want to dig into that a little bit, because that's something I'm very passionate about, like that's how you get ahead, by mm-hmm. doing more. Was it doing more within the realms of your job description, or were you taking on tasks that were outside of your job description? Taking on tasks outside of my job description. With permission or on your own? With permission, With always. permission, yeah. Okay. I would always... Um, a naturally inquisitive person, so I would always Mom, ask questions. Okay, because that's real life, you know? Right. Your kids just pop, pop in. in. <laughs> Mommyhood. Listen, it happens all the time. <laughs> so you're in your career, you're obviously doing well because you're getting promoted from data entry to accounting to what, what was your final role before you decided to transition? Operations. Operations director. Director. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your aha moment. Like what transpired for you personally or professionally that made you say, "Mm, this is not the right path for me? Well, like I said, like I was doing more, asking for more. At one one point I asked to become an auctioneer or they thought that I would be good at being an auctioneer. So I did that. Um, What's an auctioneer for the people who don't know? um, So... We sold art, but we did it at auction. So it's an open auction to anybody. Anybody mm-hmm. could come in and purchase artwork. We specialize in works of art on paper. So um, like prints, drawings, mm-hmm. photography, books, and mm-hmm. things like that. So an auctioneer basically calls the auction. So this is the person at the front of the room mm-hmm. who takes bids and is basically telling you the increments to let you know where you can bid and things like that. So, so you would have been up there like, and five and five. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's a, I mean, for me, like it was just something new to try and do, That's you know cool. what I'm saying? And so, 
And um, so with that said, I will say that although I was being promoted in the sense of taking on more responsibility, I had to fight for every penny that I got. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And what did that fight look like for you? Every single promotion that I got or every salary increase that I got came from me saying, oh, well, I deserve this. Mm. Oh, well, I've been doing this. Mm. So this should compensate me for the work that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was also one of the reasons why I was like, mm. did you have to use market research or were you just saying like, look at my Initially, last review? Yeah, I, I did do that. Okay. Like I was like comparatively in the market this person or this company is paying this at this mm. rate mm-hmm. um, initially. Mm-hmm. But then it became, you know, the more comfortable you get, it's like, well, listen, because <laughs> I was working directly with the CEO and the vice president and every, like I was a part of that part of the leadership company. team. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at that point it was just like, listen, I've been doing this mm-hmm. and I've been working hard. And that's also what pushed me to my point of, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I got tired of begging for pennies mm. when other people were being rewarded for less. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, for me, it just wasn't worth it anymore. And once I got to a point of, the truth was that it took me, I felt within myself that I wasn't doing what I was meant to be doing. Mm. And it took a lot of prayer and patience and time mm. to really like get to that point of, Oh no, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, but this is. How did you know? What 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 were you doing personally that you knew that that was your purpose or that was your calling? To be honest, I've always wanted to go into the field of education. Mm. Always. But I was always told it's not enough money. Mm. Is that really what you want to do? Mm. You know, and it's like in that part, I would say I was easily swayed mm. because I didn't have the knowledge and I didn't have anybody around me. Mm-hmm. But thank God for my husband. I feel like God just put people in your way. Mm-hmm. You know, his family is full of educators. Mm. And they were just like, you would be perfect for this. You mm. should do it. You should try it. Like, let you know, and the encouragement in that in itself was just like, wait a minute, maybe I should. And thank God I listened because I love every second of it. Oh, God bless you. Girl, do you know how good it feels when you feel like you're walking in your purpose? Mm, I do. <laughs> in your purpose? Yeah. It's just like the best feeling on earth. And I just, I'm blessed. And I feel like I just keep getting reassurances. And mm-hmm. that like, just the other day, I met uh, two people who knew my advisor, who is an African-American woman, who mm. happens to be an African-American woman. And two women in the field of education and they knew her. Mm. And they were like, oh, do you know Dr. So-and-so? And I was like, yeah, she's my advisor. And from that one little piece, networked. Mm. Anything you need, let me know. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just the building of that community and that bond and that strength. And it's just like, I just feel like I'm, in, I'm surrounded mm. by strong women. I don't know mm. how, what, but God is just lining things up for me. And it's just like, I feel amazing about it. And I cannot wait to see what is in store. Mm-hmm, for for what's next mm-hmm. so talk to us about that day you walk in and you give your resignation and you say I'm gonna and I don't care what you have for me I'm gonna invest in me like what was that day like reality- what day was it do you remember what day of the week it was yeah, <laughs> first of all it was a Friday <laughs> right before the weekend I, I hope no it games. was at 2 p.m <laughs> I play no games first of all I'm the one that everybody has to go to to quit so I already was like I'm the one who hired and fired mm-hmm. and you know I did all of that so um with that I was just like to be honest they had insulted me Mm. And what happened when I had my review, 
I was told I was the highest paid administrator. And I was just like, first of all, that is not my title or my role. And I had intended to stay a little bit longer because I had saved up some money and Mm -hmm. my husband and I had talked about it and he has been amazing. I kid you not. Like from the moment I had any thoughts, any doubts, he's like, I got you. We'll figure it out. Let's, you know, do what's what's best for Mm -hmm. us because what's best for you is what's best for us. Mm -hmm. And I cannot put a price on how valuable that is Mm -hmm. to have that type of support. But anyway, so I got a review. It was horrible. Not horrible, but my review was good, but they didn't want to pay me more. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just got tired of begging. When you wrote your review, your review of yourself, or is that the culture where you write a review of yourself and then they get it and then no. they can't? Okay, so and what's the culture? It was very unprofessional. Well, okay. So I tried my best to try to implement things like that. Mm-hmm. Where we have annual reviews and mm-hmm. things like that. But for this culture, it was more so like bonus time. So you get a bonus. Mm-hmm. Your bonus is indicative of what you've done. Okay. And so for me, my bonus hadn't grown and my workload had grown mm. tremendously. Mm. And so it was just like, I had enough. Like I wasn't getting a salary increase. I wasn't getting a bonus increase. And I got insulted and it was just like, I'm out. Because uh, I was planning on staying a little bit longer because I was going to start school mm-hmm. and do work and school. And once that happened, I was I went home. My husband was like, just quit. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Say no more. Right. Say less. <laughs> so did you write a letter? Did, like, I did. Okay, I wrote a so letter of resignation. I gave it to my the CEO. Um, How specific were you? Did you keep it vague or did you I really vague. tell them why? Okay. No, I didn't tell them why. Okay. And that, the only thing I regret about that situation is that I wish I would have been more forward and honest about my feelings about mm-hmm. the way that it went. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that was only because I didn't want to hurt feelings or whatever. Like, I don't know. I was very sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish I would have been more honest. And I wish I would have. I wish I didn't do it so drastically. Like, because legit. Did you tell you Friday, today's my last day? Stipe thing? Mm-hmm. Or, no. oh, okay. What I did was <laughs> I got my review. Came, I think I got my review maybe Thursday, Friday. I mulled on it this, the day. So Friday, I go and I'm like, Oh no, but I'm scheduled to go on vacation for two weeks. Monday. Gorgeous. <laughs> Just gorgeous. <laughs> so, so glorious. I said, I'm giving you a month notice. Because right? <laughs> that was really my two weeks. Because I had two weeks vacation. vacation. You could have two, two more weeks, weeks when after, I come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave a month notice. Quotation marks. Um, but it was really two week notice. Okay. So how did they react? They were upset. They pr- tried to pretend like, oh, it's okay. Okay, whatever you... They tried to be like, what a, okay, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. But they were upset, and I could t- I could feel it. Um, but ultimately, it all worked out for everybody because mm-hmm. I had to hire my replacement, which most people don't have to do. Did you get a good one, or did you I leave did. them hanging? No, oh, I did. Oh, look at I you. You're so classy. <laughs> <laughs> and she's still there, so <laughs> it must have been a good hire. Um, so I, ultimately, it worked out for everybody because I just couldn't do it no more. Oh, good. So you walk in morning. When did you tell them? Afternoon, evening? Afternoon, right before I was about to go home. About to, okay. So they gracefully say, okay, we wish you the best. What was your last day like? So the odd thing about it is I was a person. I did so many things. I was a chef that wore like a thousand hats. But So I would throw growing, I would throw parties for people when they left. That's so sweet. Um, yeah. So like, oh, thank you for your work here, whatever. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I didn't really want like a big party or anything like that because I didn't want it to be awkward Mm because people say weird stuff. Sometimes it's weird. Mm -hmm. 
And I didn't want it to be weird. So I was like, nah, I don't need a party. And first of all, I was the one that threw parties. I wasn't going to throw myself a party. Mm. So <laughs> my last day, my boss, the CEO, comes in and he was like, oh, let's do an exit interview. Mm. So I was like, all right, fine. Because I was the one who usually did the exit interview. So we're talking. And thank God I didn't say nothing crazy because this was like a whole fake prep for them to do like a little champagne and cookies mm. um, for me in the conference room. So that was my last day. Packed all my stuff. Make sure I drove in that day so I could make sure I take all my stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was it. And I never looked back. I mean, I'm, I was cordial with people for a little bit. But then the last time I went, it was awkward. So I never went back mm. after that. Do you keep in touch with anybody there still? Not necessarily. One of the girls that I, one of the women that I hired, um, who's African American, she was amazing and I loved her. So when she called me and she said, "Oh, I need a reference," I was like, "Of course." So great. So I referenced her and she got the position that she was looking to get, um, which was amazing. I'm so happy for her. But she was one of the only ones that I really kind of talked to mm-hmm. um, after all of that. But mm. I'm always looking at. Listen, I will help where I can. You know, so if it was somebody else, I would help them too, no matter who they are. Because um, that's just who I am. I'm not going to, I wouldn't shade anybody that way. So when you think about your old job, we'll get into what you do now. But when we think about your old job, did you have that one day where you were like shocked? Like that shocking moment where you're like, did they just say that to me? Because I'm, I'm always curious about cultures where, because that's my story too, where you're the only African-American woman did you have any of those moments or generally did it seem like a non All the time. Racial? Okay. All the time. And it may not have been employee of my fellow employees, you know, my peers, but it sometimes it was customers mm-hmm. that came in. One guy like, oh, I got a black girlfriend. I like your hair. Like, oh, my God. Right. Or I've had um, peers try to touch my hair. Like, it's just, um. like, awkward situations. Like, why? No, don't do that, you know? Like, mm. or I had one of my coworkers tell me, she would tell me I look like random old black people all the time. You look like Michelle Obama. Where, sis? Like White where? woman? Yes. Oh, my God. Every, and then the other one, oh, you changed your hair so much. You look like a different person. Yeah, I get that all the time. I get that all the and time. And it's like, okay, sis, just because you can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Like my whole face is still the same. Girl, all the time. <laughs> right. I get that all the right. time. All the time. But, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a part of the culture I get. Well, mm-hmm. I feel like all I could do was try to correct it in that moment mm-hmm. and move forward and make you feel uncomfortable because I did do that. Mm. I was good for that. I'm not going to. No. I'm not going to be alone here. Right. Like, I'm going to give you that same energy. Right. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you 100% on that. So, you resign. I want to circle back to, like, the support part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Because that's, like, really important for a lot of women who are out there thinking about switching careers. They often find um, that, like, gosh, what, like, what is that juxtaposition between I want to pass, I want to pursue my own passions, but at the same time, not putting a load or bear on your husband to be like the financial sole provider in your situation, as you mentioned, or like, how did you balance that out? And then like, do you feel like you have to overcompensate for, for not working in any way as a mother? Yeah, of course. I feel like, you know, you get that guilt because you don't want to put that burden on anybody. Mm -hmm. And the good part was that we had the conversation prior to for months before it even happened. 
probably even a year before. And he was just like, figure out what you want to do. And then we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And thank God, like I said, I had that support because had I not, I wouldn't have been able to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, um, I will say that it took time. Mm -hmm. It took patience and it took planning Mm -hmm. um, because without those things, I don't think I would have been able to. So how did you plan? You said you saved. Saved. How, how, How long did you save for? I guess, I, well, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been a saver. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I've always been a saver. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I had a certain amount of money to be able to accommodate that. Because my mom, funny enough, she had moved to, she had retired and moved. And she had told me a story about how quickly she spent 10 grand in a year. Mm-hmm. She was like, she didn't even realize she spent that much of her savings in a year just mm-hmm. by moving and living and doing things. And I was like, oh, okay. So that had that number in my mind. Like, okay, I have to have at least a certain amount in order to like 30000 50000 something like that to be able to be comfortable mm-hmm. in myself. Because I'm, I hate, I'm not going to lie. I love my husband, but I hate asking. Okay, so we're going to pause there for a quick second. I'm going to hit you guys with a little bit of music interlude because I got to turn my food timer off. So we'll be back. <laughs> okay, so I'm back. You know, you got to <laughs> feed the black people. You don't, listen, you want to know somebody love you? They don't feed you, they don't love you. So, so uh, I had to turn off my food timer, but we're back. So we were talking about saving. You said that you've always been a saver. That's something, you know, your mom was saved. Well, she has spent 10000 yeah, so a year story, after she yeah. retired. So how much did, well, not, you don't have to give us a number, but like how many months or was there like, I need to save for three months, six months, or what was that like for you? Well, for me, it wasn't necessarily the months because I knew that through conversation with my husband that our needs would be taken care of. Mm-hmm. So it was more so being able to be comfortable with knowing that I can provide for myself for what I want, mm-hmm. which is completely different than what, what you, you need. And having the ability to go from buying what you want, doing what you want, whenever you want, mm-hmm. to not mm-hmm. is a drastic difference. Mm-hmm. Did you guys? I'm so, did you guys have separate accounts prior to you? We did. Okay, so there you go. And All we right. still do. Yeah. Okay. We had separate accounts, and we have a joint account that we use to pay bills. Mm-hmm. And so that's a that's an adjustment. Some people do it differently, you know. But for us, it had worked. Um, and so, nonetheless, um, I will say that it's it's a difficult transition in going from being able to provide for yourself and do what you want to not necessarily. Mm-hmm. So it depends on your dynamic. Mm-hmm. Some women or some people have it where they have all the money in one account. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm comfortable, you comfortable, I'll figure it out. If something goes wrong, we could talk about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas for us, it hasn't been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing I would try to like... I would have. I wish I would have ironed that out first, because mm-hmm. that was one thing that it was. It's difficult, you know, going from being in control of your own finances to trusting in someone solely. Mm-hmm. For do everything. you do you panic ever? Not that he won't be able to pay the bills, but like, do you ever wake up and say, "Oh my God!" Like I, I know I I want to buy this, but now I got to go ask him. Like, do Not you ever feel awkward or? Se, but yes, I am. Like I, I started to say that. It's difficult me for it's difficult to ask for what I want mm-hmm. for what I need or for what we need. Mm-hmm. It's easy, it's easy. Mm-hmm. but when I want something, it's hard. So to be honest, I just buy it myself, and that's what, <laughs> that was a part of me saving. Mm-hmm. I guess, like you know what I'm saying. But some people have it set up different. They could, you know, when all the money's on one pot, you can buy what you want and be comfortable and do all that. Um, and I want to work towards that. I'm not going to say that I don't. Like, I want to work towards being able to do something like that. But 
right now we just not there but i'm okay with that yeah i mean so your wants you say you're taking care of separately mm-hmm. from whatever you need mm-hmm. okay so now when the transition because you, you mentioned that you were in education mm-hmm. but you didn't really say exactly what your long-term goals are for um once you finish school like what are your long-term goals what are your what is it that you see yourself doing and and are you still sure you're on the right path? I'm 100% sure I'm on the right path. And I say that because every time I walk into a school and I have children screaming my name, this is my and giving me hugs and just the energy is the best feeling I've ever had in my life. So you really ready to have somebody, not only your own kids calling you mommy, but somebody calling your name all day, girl? Yeah, girl, all I day. love it. <laughs> I love it. And, and the reward that I get from seeing them get it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just... Seeing that, seeing that little light bulb go off, mm-hmm. and it feels so good, and it's just like preparing them to be better people. Uh, yeah, I feel like in my previous position, I am the type of person that does give a lot of energy into whatever I do. So what people used to come to me about so many different things, and I was giving them all of my energy, but mm. it's like I'm giving my energy to these adults who probably don't appreciate it, mm-hmm. whereas I can be giving my energy to these children who love it and can live with it and can grow to say... Mrs. Watler was one of my best teachers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That is the reward that I cannot wait to receive. And what grade are you looking to teach? Elementary. Elementary. So K through five? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm doing one to six right now. Okay. But I do want to do the extension to do younger children younger too. Younger children. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're excited about having your name called all day. <laughs> So do you practice now with your own children? I do. I, to be honest, my children taught me patience and they actually oh. walked me into my path. I'm oh my not God. Lie. God bless you. You know, I was just telling one of my friends the other day, um, I had went to a vision board party that one of my other friends had thrown And she had a woman there who talked about, I think it was like 22 human emotions. Mm -hmm. And patience is one of the seven, lack of patience is one of the seven negative emotions. Mm -hmm. So when you just said, my kids taught me patience, that's truly how you manifest things in your life through patience. That's like the one, I I would rank that in my mind because I completely lack patience. That's, that is, (laughs) I am horribly impatient. That is something I'm actively working on. So when you said your kids taught you patience, like that's when you know you're in your purpose, when you have the patience for it. So, so, okay, I digress, but tell me, tell me more about like how your kids taught you patience. Just in realizing that, you know, with children, you have to be, listen, you know how they are. Mm -hmm. Repetitive. They do the same things. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you have to be. And I've realized, I've learned to understand that. First of all, discipline is different for every child. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather use my words than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so, teaching them that mm-hmm. it takes patience. They don't understand. Sometimes they don't have words to express how they feel. Mm. And so, I say that they've taught me so much, and that. Before them, I was the same way. I don't have patience for that. If I don't want to deal with it, I don't want to deal with it. That's mm-hmm. it. I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. I ain't got time. I don't have patience. I don't have none of that. But with them, I feel like I have to. And I see it manifesting when I deal with other people's children. Mm. And it is the, it is the, I kid you not, for me, because this is my path, it is the best feeling to see a child. And sometimes... You know what? Sometimes you don't see it in yourself and somebody mm-hmm. else will point it out. Because mm-hmm. I've had that happen too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just, 
I'm just with this one child and mm-hmm. I'm working with them and figuring it out and doing whatever. But then somebody else say, you're so this or you're so that and you're so calming mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's like, oh, thank you. I wasn't even trying. So it just feels good to know, like, like I said, walking in my purpose, mm-hmm. doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It just feels right. Um, anyway, you asked about my journey and I will say that I don't, I can't say the end to my journey because I honestly believe that it's an ever growing thing. Mm. And I don't think that I'm, I don't want to put myself in a box and say that this is what I'm supposed to do and this is it. Because mm-hmm. to be honest, I feel like the education is limitless. So you oh, could do what anything. a level of maturity. <laughs> my friends are so bomb. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so I can't, I don't want to put myself in that position, but mm-hmm. I will say that I'm feeling so much joy and I feel like it'll continue to grow. And I feel like I, all I want to do is listen to what God has for me mm-hmm. and stay in tune and in line with that so mm-hmm. that I continue to walk the path that I'm, that is for me mm-hmm. and not for anybody else. Cause I feel like so many times we get caught up in what everybody else is doing mm-hmm. That's true. and trying to walk their path. Mm-hmm. Their path is not yours. Mm-hmm. Follow you, follow what's made for you and nobody else. Mm-hmm. And the joy you will experience from that, is beyond words. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. I agree. The other side of the token to that is uh, people feeling like um, they can't be in their purpose because somebody else is trying that purpose out. So especially when it's someone in their friend circle. So if you have a friend who might be, I don't know, I don't know, an entrepreneur selling handbags. I'm going to just make that up. Right, right, right. Some, you you might you want to do the same thing. You might have that same passion inside of yourself, but some I've noticed that some women get afraid of chasing their passions because they're, it, someone, someone in their inner circle might be doing something similar already and they might feel like, oh, I don't want her to think I'm copying or no. I don't want him to think I'm copying. No. So... You know, what's th- for you is for what's, you. Yeah, true. And so you might be selling bags, they might be selling bags, but your bags aren't their bags. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Or I might be selling bags, you might be selling bags right now, but you might be able to do something bigger with the bags that you've started selling mm-hmm. and take you to another level. That might be a completely different path. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I will say this. The path that I've traveled was a little bit longer, but it was worth it for me Mm -hmm. because it taught me patience. It taught me so many things beyond that. Like Mm -hmm. it taught me management. It taught me the way to deal with adults Mm -hmm. because being an educator is not just children. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with the parents. You have Mm -hmm. to deal with fellow teachers. You Mm -hmm. have to deal with all of that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it aligned me in so many ways to be able to communicate with people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So your path is your path. And no matter who's doing it, it's not necessarily that you're following them, mm-hmm. but it's that you're making your own way. Absolutely. There's room for everybody. There's room for everybody. Very true. So is there any final words you want to leave us with or anything we didn't cover that you feel the audience needs to hear? No, I love this conversation. I think you're doing amazing things. <laughs> oh, thank you. I really do. Um, <laughs> and it's a space that's necessary. Yeah, especially know? for black women. Yeah. It's, we don't talk to each other enough right. and we... we carry our struggles alone alone way too much afraid to ask for help yeah mm-hmm. you know and sometimes like i said you meet people that you don't even realize that are on the path for you to help you mm-hmm. so accept that help i'll mm-hmm. say that mm-hmm. accept the help sometimes it's hard to say yes oh i needed that mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and so accept that help look for it and look for your path look for your way and be open to any opportunity that comes that way mm-hmm. i absolutely agree with you And I want to thank you for joining me on my podcast, my honesty series, which is going to be all about, if you haven't heard, I have an advice series, which is about 
you know, advice in corporate America or in workplace culture. And this, we're in my honesty series right now. Janelle's my first guest. Um, I loved her story about having the courage to switch careers. And then also more importantly, finding the support system behind you to encourage you and how important that is to keep you going. Um, and giving yourself permission to chase your passion. So those are like the three things I got out of this conversation from you. So thank you again for joining. Next week, we'll have a different topic. It's going to be juicy also. Um, but again, thank you for joining with that set podcast. You can always find me on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, so I do have one more question. This is the bonus question. Just in case I can't figure out how to edit this, because I'm keeping it all the way real. This might be in the end. <laughs> but this is the bonus question. So as I was listening back, Janelle and I realized like we didn't undress the obvious elephant in the room of what do you do if your spouse wasn't as supportive? What if you had gone to him and he was just like, nah, sis, not today. Or if you don't even have a spouse to support you. Oh, or that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not the case. And I would say that I would have had to work through it. Mm -hmm. And that was the initial plan was okay. for me to continue to work. But he saw the stress and the added stress and he felt like it was an alleviated stress for him, stressor for him, mm -hmm. for me to not be stressed. Mm. But nonetheless, if he had said, like, girl, no, mm -hmm. then I would have had to keep going to work, <laughs> grinding it out. Um, and I, it would probably be, my path would have probably just taken me longer. Taking you long. You yeah. would, oh, so you would have worked and went to school at, right. in the background. But I probably yeah. wouldn't have been able to take three courses in one semester. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Because it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Graduate courses ain't easy. Mm -hmm. um, but I probably wouldn't have been able to do that. But I would have still done it. Just in a different... It would have taken longer. It would taken longer. But again, like I said, if it's your path, follow it. Yeah. Listen to the signs. Mm hmm And don't block them out because it's easy to block them and say like... And make excuses. Don't mm -hmm. make excuses. Mm -hmm. Live your life. Today, tomorrow's not promised. Mm -hmm. so. It's very true. All right. That was my bonus question because this is... Some people need to hear that. All right. <laughs> so like... Yeah, we were just talking about like the importance that therapy plays. I was telling Janelle how I'm at that point now where I wanted to switch careers at some point. Mm -hmm. And you you be on the brink of a psychotic break. So tell us about that. Like <laughs> it was the transition was so much cuz at that same time, I was going from an apartment to a house mm -hmm. which was added expenses. Mm -hmm. Unknown expenses. Mhm. Mm um, and leaving my job and trying to figure out how to be a mom or wife in a different way because I felt like I had to overcompensate for the things that to make up for me not going to work, if mm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so dealing with all that, it was a lot of stress and pressure. And so I did go to therapy before I quit and after mm -hmm. um, for some a few months, like maybe four months or so, mm -hmm. like total. Mm -hmm. um, but it helped me a lot in that transitioning. Like, so many times you don't realize, like, the little things that mm -hmm. can get to you. Mm -hmm. Like, I was at, I, I would come from work and be like, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe what happened to me today. <laughs> to my therapist. Yes. <laughs> but it was just like, I needed that. 
and just trying to find my my place in my space. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I was creating my own space, but I didn't even know my what was right, how to, what was left, what was right, what was good to do, what well, was not. What was the race and nationality of your therapist? Random question. Hispanic. Hispanic. I have a therapist too, and it's a slightly over middle aged white man. And I would have never thought that that would be the person who I vent to you know what's so funny I, it's hard for me now uh my husband and i were looking and destigmatizing therapy right first wait back up yeah how can we talk to black women about destigmatizing therapy because i feel like there's like you go to therapy like mm, what's wrong with you listen, like girl, let's, yes. let's, let's go there <laughs> and, listen, sometimes you have to express how you feel and sometimes it's hard to do that with the people you love i'm sorry to say it mm. but sometimes you just need um unbiased ear mm-hmm. and sometimes you just need an unbiased ear to figure out your way mm-hmm. because <clears throat> ultimately they're not telling you what to do mm-hmm. they're just helping you get to the point of understanding where you can know what to do mm-hmm. and sometimes they give you tools to mm-hmm. figure out how to cope with different things mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so it depends on your situation everybody's therapy is different that's true but i will say for me it allowed me to figure out what i needed in that moment mm-hmm. um and helped me cope with what was happening because it was a lot of change at one time. Mm-hmm. And it was scary. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying. Like going mm-hmm. from getting a paycheck every week to not. Mm-hmm. Girl, you know how scary that is? But um, thankfully, um, like I said, I say it, but with therapy, I was able to basically figure it out and be like, okay, I got this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a little bit of encouragement to be like, you got this. How'd you find your therapist? A referral or you... No. Um, oh, Therapy for Black Girls. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, there. yeah. You watch, you listen to the read? I, they always talk about that. <laughs> uh, I listen to the podcast, Therapy for, Therapy for Black Girls. Oh, my God. And they have an IG page, too. Plug. I need to be <laughs> listening to this. But um, <laughs> it's a whole movement out here. <laughs> um, somebody had posted a picture on Facebook, a screenshot of the page, and mm. I looked it up, and it was actually a website. Wow. Where you can yeah. find... Yeah. African or uh, minority, minority, minority therapist. So I looked, and then that led me to look up my own insurance and Mm -hmm. say, okay, who can I find? And my insurance, I could dwindle it down by race and ethnicity for um, mental health services. Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to figure out because I go to therapy too, and I'm I talk to a lot of my friends about destigmatizing therapy. I literally walk around telling everybody I'm in therapy because I used to be so ashamed. (laughs) I'm not kidding you, of like admitting you need help. Because I've needed help at many points throughout my life. And I used to be incredibly ashamed to admit that I need help. And now that I've found like, mm, like, how was I surviving without this? Like, this, it's not mm-hmm. like you, it's something wrong with you. It's that you are so self-aware that you know what your needs are. It's like a badge of confidence that you can go to therapy. So what I'm still trying to work through is why my therapist is a slightly over middle-aged white man and why I love him. So I'm still working through that. I'm not going to lie. I am trying to... He's like, you know what? I understand. I might not relate to you. I won't be offended if you... After the session, you never come back. And I was like, no, Dr. Kleinman. I will be back. Like, I'm back. I'm coming back. (laughs) Because I feel like... um, You know, I feel like he really listens to me. And I think that that's something I've always been looking for. And I think it has a lot to do with me being in corporate America and about how I feel like white men have always silenced me. Mm -hmm. And that him as an old, because he's also used to work in corporate America before he became a therapist. Mm -hmm. I finally felt like listened to. And like he, yeah, he like really listens to me. Right. Like, and he gives me advice 
that I need to apply to work because he's the over middle-aged white man. That's literally my entire community at work. And he's like, the reason why this happened to you is because this is what we were thinking. And like, this is how you should respond. Like he kind of helps me understand that like, you sh- you're trying to fight uphill battle against a hundred years of racism and 200 plus years of sexism. Like you are fighting a hardcore battle, baby girl. Right. But it's what you need right now. So he's ultimately helping you with what you need when you need it. And that's what is important. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he is what you need to, for you. He's represent, he's a representation of what you need to hear from mm-hmm. to help you build in your current situation. Yeah. Now a year from now, when you're doing something else, that's true. Is he still going to be that same person? I probably, don't know. Probably. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so what about your, your therapist? How did you like realize you didn't need it anymore? Like, what was that like? I was going and I couldn't find stuff to talk about. Oh, <laughs> oh you were like, I'm, you cured me. You worked, boo. <laughs> like, uh, it was like, I was trying to find stuff to talk about. And it was like, well, girl, if I have to find something to talk about, then I think I'm okay. I'll wait till I'm a little, uh, you know what? I think I'm all right for right now. I'll come back in a little bit. And so, and I feel like I needed help in other situations that she just couldn't help me with. Mm. And why do you think? Because she couldn't relate? No. Um, well, my complaints at that moment were marital complaints. Mm. And if we're not doing therapy, then me doing therapy on my own doesn't really benefit our relationship. Mm -hmm. And so at that point it was like, well, I'm going to sit here and complain with my husband every day. That's not going to help me. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'd rather just wait until we can go together to mm. figure it out together. So we're going to have you back on when we talk <laughs> about, when we get to the relationship series and how that relates to this whole thing of becoming a woman and being a professional because I did marriage counseling and that shit works. Like you need that. Man. That's another thing black people need to stop doing. Okay. Get your ass in therapy. So you can save your marriage if that's what you need. So, (laughs) So, all right. Thank you, Janelle. All right. (laughs) Bye, guys.